Well, 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 welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you for our first live recording of 2022. It is now January 14th. We're two weeks into the month already. That seems a little bizarre. Uh, But we are into the month of January. It is a brand new year. Thank you for giving us a few weeks off. Uh, I owe you all a little bit of an apology. I was supposed to do two reruns back to back and well the second week with the holidays and all kinds of stuff i kind of forgot and so I, the rerun was was set up last week so we, we ended up with a three-week break not a two-week break so my my sincere apologies about that but we are still very grateful that you guys were tuning in and listening to them really hope you enjoyed the last program we shared it's uh, from a few years ago with our good friend nate pickowitz it his book uh, that that we uh, interviewed him about, you know, reviving New England. I think that was I still think was such a fantastic book. And if you had never heard of the book prior to that point, I hope that encouraged you to go out and get it and uh, and and tune into the things that uh, Nate is doing up there in New England. Uh, in fact, he's got another book coming out. On R.C. Sproul, you can actually pre-order the Kindle copy on Amazon right now. And uh, I really encourage you to do that. And if you didn't see my link the other day, uh, Dustin Ben shared that his book with Nate on uh, the uh, American Puritans was uh, was on sale. Again, another great book. Really encourage you guys to get out there and read it. Um, Nate is a fantastic pastor, godly man, and devoted to preaching the gospel and encouraging Christians to be busy about studying the Word of God. In fact, his book, uh, How to Eat Your Bible, another fantastic book. Really, really encourage you to get out there, read it, and this year be devoted to the study of the Word of God. So that's four book recommendations I'm uh, for, for, uh, with regard to Nate Pickowitz. So you really, really need to check that out. But thank you for uh, coming back and joining us this year, this brand new year of 2022. Um, As some people have noted, it is 2022, uh, as in 2020 and the word 2, T-O-O, as in here we go again, (laughs) 2020 all over again. It certainly seems like it's shaping up that way. But uh, we are, you know what? The Lord is in control. He is still on his throne. And there is nothing that's going to change that. And hopefully that's something we'll spend some time on this year. So since I haven't gotten to do this for a few weeks, I got to ask my brother, Rich, how you doing, my friend? <laughs> Better than I deserve, brother. Amen, um, amen. Just thankful for so, so much. Um, thankful about my new grandson, who is now roughly six weeks old. And in the course of six weeks, has gained over five pounds. Oh, my goodness. Right, gained over five pounds and has grown over two inches in just that short amount of time. Although technically according to the doctors, he was about three weeks premature, but oh, goodness. Um, e- either way, uh, that's pretty good growth rate for such a little fella. And he's, he's at that stage now to where he's finally, you know, his eyes, he's laying there with his eyes wide open and <laughs> starting to wiggle and wriggle around and discover his fingers. And I think though, the baby really rarely, rarely ever cries. Oh, that's amazing. Very, very, very strange. He, when when he gets hungry, he doesn't, you know, like typically in a newborn cries and screams, he just grunts really loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I don't know. That, that I find that very interesting. And I, I'm still amazed by the fact that 
out of all the children that me and my wife have had and nieces and nephews and, and different ones that we've seen come, come along over the years, this is the only child I've ever seen that was born needing his hair comb. That kid had a <laughs> head full of hair when he was born. And I actually think it has gotten longer and thicker over the last six weeks. I mean, and it is jet black, which makes it look like he's got even more hair than he actually does. I, you know, I, I feel I've, already... seen, I've seen kids with that and it is always really, really wild. So I know I, I get what you're talking about there. And, and I feel sorry for the, for the baby already because people are already talking about how much he looks like me. So um, <laughs> he's got a long, hard road. Oh, <laughs> uh... yeah. You know, I've been told I have a face for radio and a voice for the deaf. So, you know, take what you want from that. <laughs> well, not according to our listeners. In fact, I'm almost certain there are listeners that prefer hearing your voice to mine. Now, I can understand that because, well, I'm self-assured, I'm arrogant, and <laughs> um, I can be very difficult to deal with. And you got to listen to this voice for at least an hour when we do these podcasts. So I'm, I'm pretty sure... There, there's hey, a reason you, they like you, listening to yours more. <laughs> you, you just stole my description, or at least the way that most people describe me online <laughs> when, when replying to me. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's, it's just strange the the opinions others have about us versus mm -hmm. the opinions we have about ourselves sometimes. And, um, you know, sometimes they actually do overlap. But <laughs> not, just for the not record. Wrong there. <laughs> Just for the record, no, I do not think I'm better than anyone else. I just know that I'm better off than most because amen. I'm actually saved. Amen, amen, amen. And you know that's it, that's it, an interesting thing. I think it, one of the things we were we talked about in pre-show is we're freestyling this a little bit, folks, mostly because this week was busy. And when Rich gave me the, uh, some suggestions, I simply didn't sit down to make time. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> joking a little bit but obviously um but we did want to talk a little bit about you know kind of what what last year looked like and what we you know kind of want to envision for the the coming year um that's not gonna be the crux of the show but one of the other things we talked about is you know as part of what we want for the coming years to start us off talking about that issue of, of salvation that, that of justification and sanctification because that really i think more than ever, I think is something Christians need to focus their eyes on, um, because of our common salvation. That we we really need Brother, to see that right now. Go ahead. I just I wanted to add this as we start into this. Sadly, and I've 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 come across this more in the last two or three weeks, probably than I have in the last five years. There is such a huge misunderstanding between justification and sanctification among Protestant professing Christians. I'm mm -hmm. not talking about Roman Catholics and some of the cults or whatever label you want to put on some of these works-righteous-type religions. I'm talking among Protestant professing Christians, such as solid Bible-believing Presbyterians, Southern Baptists, mm -hmm. non-denominations. That, that, sadly, those two words are almost taboo in today's yeah. church culture because for whatever reason, either they're considered to be preaching about legalism, but justification, sanctification, and admonishing the congregation to pursue a life of holiness have all but been laid to the wayside in, in lieu of other topics. And, and granted, you know, if a pastor's exegeting the, the Bible and preaching verse by verse, 
they may not necessarily mention all these topics, you know, from week to week, but it is something that should be getting addressed at some point in time mm-hmm. through another, in another night service, or maybe through the Sunday school lessons or the class lessons or something. But it's definitely something as Bible believing Christians, we need to get back to and focusing on some of these terms and admonishing our brothers and sisters in Christ to to be pursuing these things and to understand these yes, things. Absolutely. Um, I'll let you take it back from here because I know you're going to go into a couple of issues, but um, part of what we kind of hope to do tonight during this show is to give you a simple defined version of what justification is versus sanctification along with a f- couple of other ideas and things to mm-hmm. consider, but go ahead and take it back from here. And I apologize <laughs> for interrupting. No, you, no, no. Man, like I said, brother, I think they listen, like listening to hearing your voice better anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think one of the first things that I just, I, I kind of wanted to touch on was that 2021 was one of those really interesting years in which we saw the crossover of culture and politics and theology. And, and I mean that in the sense of a lot of times, and we've, we've talked about on the show so often, is that we're not here to win a culture war per se. We're not here to to win politics for Christ, so, so to speak. But 2020 and 2021, in particular, we saw where the the world of popular culture and the world of politics encroached upon and crossed over into that realm where the church has to be able to kind of draw a line and say, no, you're not coming in here. We expect the world outside the church to be rank, heathen, sinful, in opposition to God, but we were watching that world trying to force that into the church. And so much of that was in the form of the politics of uh, you know, the, the, the COVID shutdowns and uh, telling churches what they could and couldn't do. And we saw within evangelicalism the battle erupt of people who far more than we, I think many of us understood, had become friendly with the world and were so concerned about the image of the church that if it stood its ground, say like John MacArthur, John MacArthur, my, that man cannot win to save his life. Praise God for him. A uh, whole new set of discuss- issues that have come up this week alone. But you now we, we'll get another topic for another time. But uh, the man cannot win for losing. And when his church and other churches stood up and said, no, Caesar, you do not dictate to the church, we saw within the 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 realm of evangelicalism, how much compromise with the world was going on. And then the, the cultural side of things with regard to things like critical theory and, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, um, the, the allegations of things like sexism and racism within the church and, and how much, uh, as was said at the SBC annual, uh, convention, uh, the world is watching. And so many decisions were based on that. And so, this last year, and, and and I think they were fantastic discussions. I think we needed them. I, I think in so many ways, I, I still remember James White when he um, had said, expressed his own surprise, and this was a couple years ago, 
um, about how much these, you know, kind of Marxist ideologies had suddenly blossomed under our noses. And, and, and because it was his own statement that we, we had believed that preaching the gospel, preaching sound theology would combat against that. And what we didn't watch for was those, those worldly ideologies being grafted in and supposedly being somehow compatible with sound theology. And, and so the tares were uh, amongst the wheat, so to speak, and it blossomed up underneath us. And so this last year, there was so much that was going on within the realm of culture and politics where the church was directly involved and, and, and in many ways, very much necessary and realizing, you know, I think for a lot of people, including ourselves, how much theology needed to be brought to bear in these battles. And they were battles. I mean, it was, it was absolutely important that we, we stood our ground and said, no, this, this far and no further. This is the, the authority of Scripture, the inerrancy, the sufficiency. This is absolutely what we need to stand on. And I think it was a great year for that in a lot of ways because I think it opened up so many people's eyes. The, the sad part of it, and this is I, I'm sure you've seen this too, Rich, is when we start to win small skirmishes, for example... If you watch Fox News or something like that, you'll see, oh, they got CRT out of this school district, so we've won the CRT battle. Well, that's a small skirmish, believe me. That's not that's not the war. Um, but unfortunately, when when we as individuals think that the enemy is, so to speak, is this particular weapon, which was maybe CRT, or in this particular issue, uh, church closures. When we win those particular battles, we think we've won the war. And so sometimes our eyes get taken off the, the, the fight. I, I, but that, so that's, that's a danger and a, and a ditch that we fall into. But I think what it did do, Rich, and, and, and you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I think what we saw in so many ways was the application of sound biblical theology against the weapons of the world. And I think that was fantastic to watch, but we what we also saw was how desperately corrupted the um, the, the evangelical machine has become. And getting back just kind of briefly touching on on uh, on John MacArthur, that was ex that really happened in, in like full bloom this week when somebody took a, a, a sermon from a year ago, edited it, and made it sound like John MacArthur was, was trying to say, oh, there can be no government-sponsored religious uh, freedom because Christianity is the only true religion. Therefore, government, and somehow it was construed to say government's going to enforce Christianity. And every big Eva personality went berserk. I mean, this was a sermon from a year ago, it's, and, and now it suddenly comes up. Uh, coincidentally, right in the same week that he's calling on churches to preach against sexual immorality. Another topic for another time. Um, and yet, uh, Megan Basham over at Daily Wire says, um, point of order, there was a fuller sermon, and it, this segment was edited. Here's the rest of it. And it totally changed what John MacArthur was saying. Well, when she wrote that article, the evangelical machine went berserk. And every big Eva name 
came out with articles and, and social media responses attacking her. So, I mean, I think what we saw in this last year, Rich, was not only the church stepping up and saying, this far and no further, we stand on the sufficiency of Scripture, we stand on the authority of Scripture, but we also saw the corruption within the professing church that was desperate to tear the Bible out from under the church. Would you say that that was probably a good synopsis of what we saw this last year? Well, I think the way you worded it is perfect, the professing church. I think I think actually everything that's transpired has actually been a blessing in a way because it has definitely helped to determine and be able to see who the true body of Christ is versus those that are just professing to be part of the body because so many anti-biblical ways of thought are being embraced by so many of these big Eva type personalities that it's becoming more clear and clear, you know, who is actually ex- expressing fruit of the spirit and, and fruit of Christ likeness and growing in holiness and departure from the world. Um, I posted this the other day and I think it's kind of appropriate. Now I said, we live in an age where millions of people have been churched. But few have been saved. This is evidenced by their love for sin over true love in Christ. And sadly, we're seeing the fruit of loving the world being expressed by so many professing Christians who are trying to hold the world in under one arm and trying to cling to Christ in the other arm. And as we know, the Bible specifically states that you cannot be in Christ and be of the world or in the world or love the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see being done is that they have a huge love for the world and the approval of the world. For some reason, so many of these big Eva type personalities find their comfort and find their identity in the way the world looks at them and what they're saying versus being approved by Christ in what they say and how they act, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. You know, you know, some of these issues, you know, when it comes to CRT and racial reconciliation, you know, they're, they're trying to embrace worldly ideologies and bring it into the church. No, all we need is the Bible, period. Yep. They try, they, they you, you look across the state of, of Christianity in America now, and you've got almost every denomination has split over the issue of homosexuality and whether someone can be a practicing homosexual and being a, be a Christian. And entire denominations have split over that issue. Uh, and surprisingly enough, the SBC has not gotten to that point yet, but we have seen both solid men of the Bible leave the SBC, and we've seen some that should have never been admitted to the SBC to begin with leave the SBC, and some of those big Eva personalities are among those that have left the SBC and have basically thrown the Bible to the wayside and picked up worldly ideologies and worldly way of thinking and have been promoting that over what Mm -hmm. Scripture actually teaches and actually says. Um, And I know it made a, a, a round again the other day, the clip from J.D. Greer talking of basically apologizing to the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community for the way that they've been treated. Um, you know, if, if they're going to do that, why not apologize to 
liars and thieves and murderers and all these others. And when it comes to the ex- the issue of sexual immorality, yes, we need to be preaching against that, but all forms of sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. The problem is, among professing Christians, sexual immorality has become the norm, yeah. meaning that either they're watching stuff they shouldn't watch, they're looking at magazines they shouldn't look at, they're listening to music they shouldn't listen to, they're actually practicing in things that they should not, and they don't want to condemn someone else that is guilty of sexual immorality because they're guilty of doing it themselves. Yeah. Um, I saw a study not long ago, and you know you can take these studies with a grain of salt, but pornography, according to this Barnes study, was rampant with, uh, with, within professing evangelical churches today even among pastors and deacons and elders and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And it doesn't stop there. And our entire culture bombards us constantly with images and music. And you can't turn on a commercial. If you're watching a streaming show that has commercials, every other commercial is just engulfed with some form of sexual immorality, not to mention the television shows and the movies I mean, to a point to where, you know, 50 years ago, if they even even eluded at a man and woman that were not married, that were engaged in those type of acts, mm-hmm. you know, that would that would have been taboo. That would have never been allowed on television. Now you've got it being promoted and it's been, become normalized. So when you've got a body or a evangelical churches or professing churches that are constantly seeing this and it's being programmed into their mind and programmed into their way of thinking, you know, it's going to bleed over into the other aspects of their theology and doctrine and the way they view the Bible. Because once you start trying to make excuses for one sin, next thing you know, the door's blown wide open and you're making excuses for all types of sin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we've seen. And it's, like I said, I think in a way it can be a blessing, be a blessing because so many of these big evil personalities and, and certain denominations and groups and coalitions or whatever the labels you want to put on them have made it obvious. They're walking in the world. They're not walking in Christ. Amen. No, absolutely. And I think I, I, I am grateful for sound biblical teachers who over the course of this last year put a lot on the line to step up and say, this is wrong. I mean, you saw people excoriated, uh, vilified, marginalized, I mean, everything under the sun over the course of this last year. It, It was, in a lot of ways, it was a bloodbath. And yet, sound men of God stepped up preached the truth and, and, and spoke truth to equip the, the body of Christ to act like Christians as they ought to. And so praise God for that. And I think that was such a, such a fantastic thing. And of course, what it did is also it, it galvanized the Christians to speak out against these cultural and political travesties. To step up and say, no, we are not going to be quiet. 
we are going to stand against a, a an out-of-control government. We are going to speak out against the culture that would call us racist and sexist. We are going to preach the truth. And I think it, it galvanized a lot of people to step out and to, to, to war against these things on a variety of fronts. And I think that was a that was a really positive thing. The thing that I want to see us do, and this is kind of transitioning into what I'd like to do in, in 2022, um, we spent a lot of time that you and I particularly spent a lot of time talking about those things over this last year. And one of the things, and this is perhaps because of my own personal trials right now, it's um, there are things going on in my life that because of some of the things that happened in the last year, especially with COVID-related issues, have challenged me in how I react to difficulties in my life. And it's, it's caused me to realize, and we've talked about it on this program many times, that as we go through trials and tribulations, as we go through sufferings and oppressions, uh, and from the attacks of the world, etc., that we are to fix our eyes on Christ. And when we are in a period, in a time where it's not just difficulties in the sense of, okay, you're, you're dealing with a family illness, for example. A family illness isn't something you can, per se, point to something and say, that individual or that incident or this matter caused this. It, it's a trial and a tribulation. You may be the one who's sick. It could be a loved one who is sick. Uh, you may be going through, you know, the stress and strain of caring for someone in, in severe um, de health decline, etc. That's, in some ways, one of those things where we can go. I can't war against this per se. I can, I can go to the doctor. I can work to deal with the financial aspect. I can, I, I can deal with hospital stuff. And there's a lot of stress and strain and difficulty and, and, and heartbreak and em emotional drain that comes from that. But there's a, there, in, 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 that, in that sense, sometimes, and I don't want to say it's easier, that's not the phrase I want to use, but it can be where it makes sense to lean upon Christ. But when we are dealing with what we've seen occur over the last year, where you have objectively verifiably evil actions to, 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 for example, people who lost their jobs because they had made a conscience-based decision about their own personal health care or for that of their family and lost their jobs, who were vilified, who were attacked. Um, that is one of those instances where we spent an entire this entire last year talking about how to war against that because here's what the government is doing, here's what cultural, uh, you know, uh, false teachers are doing, etc. When there's an objective, ver objectively verifiably evil act come against you, what is our natural inclination? Our natural inclination is to go to war with the individual who has brought that against us. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it, I think because there's an actual target that we can put our eyes on, where we can say, 
this person or this governmental entity or this uh, corporation or this school is doing this, it's something that we can attempt in our own power to war against. And again, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. If somebody takes a punch at you and you block and punch back, that's expected, okay? You're defending yourself. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't defend ourselves. I'm just saying that's where our focus can land. And because of that, because our focus can land there, I think there is a temptation to do like Peter when he stepped out on the uh, out of the boat and onto the water. See, as, as P Peter kept his eyes on Christ, he walked on the water in the midst of a scary, terrifying storm. But when he took his eyes off Christ and looked to the waves, what happened? He sank. And I think when we have something like what we've watched over this last year, where we feel like we can do battle, where do we put our eyes? On the battle. And that's certainly what's things that have happened in my case. And I'm not going to go into the details. I know some of you kind of know what's going on. But just to say that there have been issues in, in my situation where that's where my eyes were. The problem comes when we can't win the battle. See, Rich, I think that was one thing we didn't really talk about this last year, at least not extensively. What if we can't win the battle? What if we can't win the culture war? What if we can't defeat the politics? We, we just had a Supreme Court decision that said the feds overreached by using OSHA to try and enforce a vaccine mandate. Now, that's a great victory. Praise God for that. I, I will say, you know, and we've talked about this, we are definitely a Romans 1 culture. God has definitely given us America over to a debased mind. No question about that. But if you watch what's happened in the full, this full year under the Biden regime, they have not accomplished near as much as we, they, that they would have liked. The only way we can explain that is by God's grace and his restraining hand. I mean, you have two Democrats who are the most hated Democrats in all of history right now because they're not towing the party line. When is the last time you've ever heard that? When, when is the last time you heard of a Democrat-owned machine gummed up by its own people, you know? That's only by the grace of God. So praise God for those things. But what would have happened if the Supreme Court had not ruled in that, uh, in that way? What if they had said, OSHA has the authority? Rich, I think we would have had a lot of Christians very, very confused. Because I don't know how well, at least I won't speak for any other place, I know my pastors have done a very good job because my pastors have been spending time reminding me of things they've taught us. Um, I don't know how well a job, the, those of us who do like podcasting and blogging, have done to say, how do we then live in light of these things, especially if God allows it to go pear-shaped? I think that's something we want to talk about this year. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We always need to be reminded about, you know, how do we live visiting this earth during times of chaos and trouble. But 
even what we witnessing or what we have witnessed and are witnessing now in America is still nothing compared to mm-hmm. what the first century disciples and the apostles experienced. Because at the moment, we don't have people trying to kill us over <laughs> what we profess as Christians. Yeah. Um, that time may be coming down the road, and we see it in Canada where pastors are taking a stand on biblical truth and are potentially facing being jailed over preaching what the Bible says. In America, we have not quite gotten there yet, but you can see little things here and there starting to grow as weeds coming into the even the body of church that may lead us to that point somewhere in the near future. Um, one thing that in, in all of this, we need to remember, no matter how bad the situation is for us at that moment, it could always be worse because you can look yeah. around the world and see where Christians are having to hide and flee for their lives when it comes to even owning a piece of paper pulled from the Bible or trying to have some type of service. And they've got to have people watching to make sure that the goon squad's not about to bust in and gun them all mm-hmm. down. Um, I, I know that when we're in that storm, it's hard to remember that someone somewhere else is going through a worse storm than you are. It does not diminish what you're going through. But ultimately, regardless of what's going on in the world around us, what's going on in our own lives, if we are truly saved in Christ, there's a word for it, and that's called sanctification. That's, an, that's what I said at the beginning of the show. That's a word that is not preached on or talked about nearly as much as what it should be. And as true Bible-believing, true born-again Christians, we will go through the process of sanctification, just like a flower growing out in the yard. You know, it, it grows from the sunshine that the Lord beams down on it. But that same sunshine can also dry and wither that flower unless it's nourished and taken care of. And that's the same with our spiritual walk. Christ will allow us to go through trials and tribulation in order to conform us to his image and to grow us and to make us more like him while we're here. Um, You know, the Bible talks about continually being given over to the image of Christ. It's a continual ongoing thing day in and day out, as unpleasant as trials, suffering, tribulation, persecution, as hard as all those are to endure and to bear. We have to remember God has a plan and a purpose in all of it. We may not see or know it now. We may not ever see or know or completely understand it while we're walking this earth, but at some point in time in eternity, we will see and understand And as Christians, it is always for our benefit. Now, the problem is people sometimes can't distinguish discipline from sanctification. Discipline discipline can be part of sanctification, but discipline also can be a result of the lack of pursuit of sanctification. And for me personally, it all goes back to prayer and your prayer life and what and how you are praying. If you're praying, if, if you find yourself just constantly praying, Lord, get me out of this situation without praying, Lord, teach me what I need to understand. Teach me to do better. Teach me to grow. Teach me to learn. Open my heart 
to understand what's going on. Open my heart to understand your passages. Sadly, as Christians, for the most part, and I've asked this to many of brother and sister in Christ, prayer life seems to be kind of a secondary issue. We hear and see and talk about daily Bible reading plans and book reading plans and all of this, but how often do we ever examine our own prayer life and try to establish godly prayers in our daily prayer life, meaning what the Bible says about seeking first the kingdom of God, soaking our prayers in thanksgiving. Um, Sadly, most professing Christians are reactionary in their prayers instead of proactive in their prayers, meaning the only time they go to prayer is as a result of something bad going on in their life. Once that's over and everything's calm again, they go back to neglecting prayer. Honestly, I think one point in all of this, regardless of what's going on in the world around us, as true, as true saved brothers and sisters in Christ, part of all that is to keep us in prayer and keep us humble before the Lord because we tend to kind of get puffed up in our own situation instead of relying on Christ, even in the good times. We have a tendency to only want to seek him out during those storms like Peter's when he was sinking during the crashing waves. What do you think? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like, you, like you say, prayer is, is such a, a major component. Um, and and, and I, we have such, I think, a misunderstanding of prayer. Just from my own example, um, just as I'm just speaking for myself here, I'll pray, Lord, help me to, to honor you today. So then the Lord allows massive difficulty, like the worst day of my life to happen. It's like, I, that's not how I picture that in my mind. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I prayed, I, you know, that, that I would, that I would be doing a good job. So the Lord says, okay, let me throw you everything you've got that you can, you know, every possible insane thing that you can imagine is going to hit you all in one day. Well, that's, that's not what I was praying for, except that it's what, it's what I was praying for. When we pray and we're asking for God to do a work in our lives, we're, we're coming to him to say, do what you need to do to make this reality. I, it, by the way, I, Rich, you and I were talking about this in pre-show. I'm going to put this, show, put this in our show notes. Um, one of my pastors, you know, he's been doing, it's like a hundred part series on the, on the doctrine of salvation. Okay. It's, we're, we've been at this for a while. Uh, sorry, Pastor Keller. Um, he has so far done eight messages on the, on the topic of sanctification. And, and there's, I think there's at least two or three more, I think, that he's going to do to finish it up. And if you don't understand, by the way, the difference between justification and sanctification, and Carm's got a pretty good article, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Justification, that 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 doctrine of we are made per, we are made right in Christ. In other words, we are made righteous. We don't achieve righteousness. We have no righteousness. But we are made righteous through the work of Christ. He takes upon himself our sin and the wrath of sin of, of for that sin upon himself. He gives us he imputes to us his righteousness. And so God sees us as righteous. So we are made perfect in the eyes of God. That is justification. And it's a massive uh, doctrine. So it's really simplified. 
And then sanctification is God setting us apart. And we talk about sanctification oftentimes in two ways. One is that setting apart. We have been sanctified. We have been set apart for God's work. And then we talk about progressive sanctification. And I like how my pastor's been teaching this. It's it's not how I've pictured it being taught in the past. And I, I think not because I was taught poorly or maybe it was me not rightly understanding it, but in that when we are sanctified, when we are set apart, when we are set apart for his work and made fit for his use, we already have something, right? We already have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, right? We are sanctified. So the process of sanctification, that progressive sanctification, like you were saying, Rich, that being conformed to the image of Christ is, as, and I, I may not explain this perfectly well, because there's a lot there, and that's why I want to share the links. I, you guys at your leisure take time to listen to these messages. I think they were fantastic. It's this process of conforming us to what we already are. In other words, bringing us to where we already are and and and, and taking us through this process to it, it's it's you're not something you're not you weren't when you were sanctified you weren't like okay here's this messy thing and that's all you are no you're sanctified you're you're sanctified by the holy spirit you have all the spiritual blessings and having the paces and as god is working you through this life it's not like you're a mess now and at the end you're this perfectly shiny object rather this is what you are you're you're you're, you're justified you're sanctified and god is bringing you in uh, in alignment with what he's already made you to be and that process is because you don't stop, you're not more sinful today and less sinful tomorrow. You're already sanctified. You're already set apart. You're already justified. It's this process by which he's bringing us into alignment with the reality of what we already are. And it, when I, when I, and, and again, I don't know that I've explained it nearly as well as he did. Um, and that's why I would recommend listening to the messages. But I'll the, add to this real quick. Go ahead. I'll add to this real quick, brother. Um, maybe it'll help clarify a little bit what you're saying. Um, part of it is that, yes, we are, when we're justified, we be, we begin sanctification. We are giving, we are already given everything under heaven, meaning we're blessed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are justified. We're perfect in the sight of God because he sees us through his son, Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we will ever attain perfect sinlessness or sinless perfection. It's, it's a continue continuing battle. Just like Paul said, it's a, it's a, it's a day, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute war against our flesh because we have the Holy spirit gifted to us. But that Holy Spirit is at war against our own selfish temptations that we still possess. Once we become justified and we begin sanctification, we are not made sinless in this body. We will not obtain holiness and glorification until we are with Christ in heaven. But at the moment of justification and we begin sanctification, we start the battle against sin. And with the Holy Spirit's blessing and help, we can conquer sin on a day-to-day battle because we are leaning on Christ 
and sanctification does refine us continually day after day after day because we sin and we have that sin nature still inherent within us day mm-hmm. after day after day. It's like you can take a silver vase and it may be made out of pure silver. It's going to be silver regardless of where you put it in your home. But as that silver sits out, it will start to tarnish. And the longer it sits there, not cleaned and not touched and not polished and not refined and not taken care of, that tarnish will engulf that vase to a point to where it's still silver, but it doesn't look like silver anymore. It's got that brown, greenish looking glow about it. Well, not even a glow, but dim light on it and we're kind of like that silver vase every day the lord is using sanctification and using what we go through to polish us to continue Mm -hmm. continually make us more and more what we will eventually become once we are glorified and one point in all of that is not only to make us more like christ every day but it's to teach us to be like him in acts, meaning to love one another, to be patient, to be humble, to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. And the more we grow in those things, the more we learn to hate our sin, to despise our sin, to do everything we can to remove those temptations away from us, and to grow us in love more and more each day to Jesus Christ and the Word of God, if that makes sense. No, absolutely, and thank you. I appreciate that. That really does help, I think, try to clarify what I'm trying to say. You know, there, there's there's this recognition that we already are something in Christ, but yet we are still in this world. We are still struggling against sin, and we are still seeking to be living in light of what we have been made in Christ. And so that is that that constant battle and that process of sanctification that bringing us in alignment with what we've you know how we have been what we have been made to be and that battle and war against sin. That's one of the things I I would love to see us work on because it was in 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 facing some of my own issues I began to realize you know, and what one of the things my pastor was sharing with me was those difficulties. I mean, it, again, let's go back to what happened this week with the uh, with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's decision is kind of narrowly applied, and if I understand it correctly, there they didn't rule against mandates across the board. They ruled against the specifics of. The federal government using OSHA, using the law to say OSHA can enforce this, therefore go forth and, and make mandates. And so the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. That's that's state-level stuff, essentially. That's businesses, private industry, states. They can do that kind of stuff. You, federal government, what you did, you can't do. So imagine you're in a state where the mandates you know come out. The Supreme Court won't rule against it. And you live in this authoritarian state. You can't leave yet. Your job is on the line. Your kids in school or or your kids are going to college and now they face this. How then do I live? I mean, my, my goodness, look what's happened. I mean, the Supreme Court ruled against this, but we're still dealing with this. That 
is as hard as that seems to be something to to accept the reality is living in that difficult stressful unfair unjust environment is god's good work in your life i'll add to that also i see opportunity mm-hmm. in that setting an opportunity to pray for those leaders to be granted salvation mm-hmm. an opportunity to evangelize those leaders whether through text emails mail them tracks try to call them up and get them on the phone an opportunity to be evangelizing those within that state that's one positive thing i have seen over the last year year and a half um you know i'm i'm confined to home most of the time and i'm not able to get out and and be with the brethren like i would like but I can tell you this, as far as being online, I have seen far more brothers and sisters sharing gospel links online over the last year, year and a half than I have the previous five years. And I think a lot of that has been a result of what we've gone through. I think the brethren have started realizing the necessity of evangelism and proclaiming the way of salvation to not only the world, but to those among professing Christians. Because, you know, that is truly our greatest weapon against all of this is prayer and evangelism. That is the way the Lord goes about changing an individual and then changing a group and then changing a community and changing a state is through prayer and evangelism. And I see all of those things that you said, I see those as huge opportunities for both of those things. Amen. Amen. And I think as we as we're applying this to sanctification, and again, justification made right with with God, you are righteous in the eyes of God because of the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, because He has imputed His righteousness to you. That's your justification. And if you are truly in Christ, that nothing takes that away, not your worst day. That warring against sin, the battle against sin. They're being conformed to the image of Christ, being being brought into alignment with what you are. As we look at this this environment, this culture that we've talked about for the last year, this political environment, how then do we live in light of that? And I think it's that understanding, Rich, that we are being sanctified. So you may live in an environment where things are going well, and God is using that for His purposes. You may be going living in a time and an environment where things are very hard. You you may be, and it might, might not even have anything to do with what's going on with the, uh, what we're talking about. Might, might, not, might not be the, the laws and the culture and the, 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 the terrible mandates and stuff. It might be that you are living with a loved one who's in poor health. You yourself might be facing uh, you know, health issues or uh, difficulties. There, there may be financial, you know, on the verge of financial ruin, whatever it is. As hard and as painful as those are, it is God's process of sanctification in your life. It was it was Charles Spurgeon who said that I you know he learned to kiss the waves that threw him upon the rock of ages. In the midst of that storm, in the midst of that pain and that difficulty, it is God's good pleasure because he uses this to sanctify you. He uses this 
to conform you to the image of Christ. He uses this to expose sin in your life. He uses this to galvanize righteous works in your life. He uses this to cause you to cling tightly to the cross. And it's the, the way that I think we can make our way through that sanctification is recognizing our justification, looking to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who has redeemed us and through his sacrificial work has made us righteous. And because of that, we have that eternal promise that we cling tightly to. That cannot be taken from us in any way, shape, or form. And I think that's one of those things that helps us through the sanctification process because we begin to recognize we have a greater promise than anything this world can throw at us, give us, take away from us, add to. We None of that matters in the light of that in the light of that that justification, and it was something Mike Riccardi shared on on social media today. Uh, uh, one of the elders at uh, Grace Community Church. He said he quoted John Flavel, a Puritan writer, and he says uh, the quote says, "To the wicked, there can scarcely be a higher gratification and pleasure than to see your carriage under trouble, so like their own." In other words, the evil person. Love seeing you going through tribulation just like them. For thereby they are confirmed in their prejudices against religion and in their good opinion of themselves. They think these may talk and profess more than we, but when they are tried and put to it, it appears plainly enough their religion enables them to do no more than we do. In other words, look when they, as much as they profess their religion, they react the same way to difficulty that I do, the non-religious person. Continuing, he says, They talk of heaven's glory and their future expectances, expectances, but it is but talk, for it is apparent enough their hopes cannot balance a small affliction with all the happiness they talk of. Oh, you, oh how do you dishonor Christ before his enemies when you make them think all of your religion lies in talking of it? So, Rich, our sanctification, our justification empowers us and strengthens us to endure affliction, endure suffering as God sanctifies us because that's what changes. that It changes our thinking. It changes how we speak, how we act because we look as Peter initially did when he stepped out on the water, he looked at Christ. He didn't look at the water. He didn't look at the waves. It was all trial. It was all tribulation because nobody's crazy enough to step out on the water in a situation like that. And with his eyes fixed on Christ, he moved forward. But as we are so often want to do, Peter takes his eyes off Christ and looks at the situation and sinks. And I think... Well, also... It, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say... It was this quote I had pulled up. It was kind of in contrast to what you said, and I just found it interesting because we didn't plan this. But um, also, sometimes what's going on may be to encourage us to examine ourselves to whether or not we're in the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes the questions asked, how do I know if I'm really a Christian? Um, sometimes those situations present themselves 
to either make you examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. Sometimes those situations are to bring you to saving faith. Um, And one of the greatest evidences that you are truly saved in Christ is trials and persecution Mm -hmm. and suffering, because it teaches you to hate your sin. J.C. Ryle wrote, the true Christian hates sin, flees from it, fights against it, considers it his greatest plague, resents the burden of its presence, mourns when he falls under its influence, and longs to be completely delivered from it. All suffering while we're on this earth is a result of sin, whether it be the sin of Adam or someone else's sin or our own sin. All pain, suffering, and persecution on this earth is the result of sin. And that is one thing that sets the true Bible-believing, truly saved person apart from the professing Christian. It comes down to one simple thing. Are you fighting against sin, or are you embracing it and making a practice of sin and making excuses for your sin? Because either you're in Christ and you're being sanctified to be made more in his image, or you're enduring these things to drive you to your knees to make you humble and make you ready to receive the gift of salvation. Um, sadly, among many, many professing Christians, they're not necessarily fighting against sin like we talked about earlier. They're embracing the world and, and inviting the world into the doors of the congregation and teaching the congregation to live by the world instead of by the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And that, that's and, and we should also know, I mean, that, that warring against sin, that means there's going to be times of stumbling and falling. You know, the scripture makes it clear. First John is very, very clear that if we sin, we have an advocate. You know, Jesus Christ, you know, the righteous one who's interceding for us. The difference is warring against sin, falling and stumbling into sin, as opposed to embracing sin and, and living in rebellion against God, yet professing Christ. That obviously two different, two different issues. So we don't allow ourselves to suddenly believe I must not be saved because I'm struggling with sin um, and I and I keep stumbling and falling even though I don't want to sin and I'm warring against it um, we that that does not take away our justification we don't lose justification the issue would be if you never war against sin if you saw no issue with your sin if you continually justified your sin then the issue isn't a, that it's no longer a question of sanctification because you're not you're not sanctified, you're not justified. So we we want to make sure we we make that clear. Don't under, misunderstand us to say that you you know if if you're sinning, that somehow you're not saved. It's the issue as as you said, Rich, that warring against sin. One of the marks of the sanctification. If if Christ is convicting you of your sin. And you have a recognition you've not warred against your sin, and and you recognize that because of that, that you are, uh, you know, you're, you're responding in a sinful manner to all these things, and there's something wrong here. Then that could be the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you know, bringing you into into Christ, bringing you to that place of where you just need to bow the knee and and submit to Christ in as and as Lord and Savior. So. I, I absolutely agree with you, Rich. Sometimes those things coming against us, 
they reveal sin in us. They, they, they strengthen us. They, they cause us to, to cling tightly to Christ in, our, in that process of sanctification. Or it is conviction. It is to bring you to the point to see your sin for what it is, that you bow the knee to Christ and uh, you know, call out to him as Lord and Savior for your salvation. So, th- Hey, brother. It, yes. I, I, before I forget, I just wanted to encourage all of our listeners, if you've never read the book Holiness by J.C. Rowell, I can't encourage you at, enough to get a copy and to read it, or you can backtrack through my feeds on Twitter and Facebook, and I provided a link to where you can read it for free. What was the name of the website? Uh, it's monergism.com, I believe. M-O-N-E-R-G-I-S-M. Monergism.com. And uh, they have a ton of free uh, you know, uh, ebook type material, and you can go on there and, and, and you know, look up by, by author even, and uh, that's that's where one one of the places that you can do it. And I believe it was uh, oh goodness, I forget who it was that shared it on uh, Twitter today. I think there's even a Kindle version on Amazon that's also free. Or if it's not free, it's it's very very inexpensive. Um, but yeah, I I, I agree. Um, that's one of those on my to read lists. And I've read a portion of it uh, years ago, and it's a very convicting but very powerful very powerful text and it's one of those books that i need to finish reading um but i absolutely agree with you it it goes into all these subjects a lot deeper and presents the material a lot better than chris and i can in the limited amount of time that we have but um well let's just let's just face facts it's jc Rowell. he's going to do it better no matter what no no matter how much time we have let's just be let's be honest (laughs) but kind of one thing too to point out what you were explaining earlier one time sometimes too it's hard for us wanting to be able to help others around us and we see them suffering or going through a situation we oftentimes have to remember too though that we have to trust god in his sovereignty when it comes to salvation we pray to see our loved ones saved but we're not necessarily ready to sit back and watch what god Mm-hmm. does in order to bring that person to salvation. I've, I've seen that and experienced that in my own life with, with some family members that I've prayed for the Lord to grant this person true salvation. And after praying that, sit back and watch for a year, maybe two years, as they go through trial after trial after trial. And speaking for my own self, in my walk with Christ, at some point I was every type of soil mentioned in the parable of the soil, and sometimes it is a process the Lord will allow you to endure over, say, 10 years. Mm-hmm. You, he may allow you to rest being in each type of soil, chipping away at that granite heart until finally he just takes a hammer and busts it all to pieces and plows your heart and, make, and makes it a fertile ground ready to receive his gift of salvation. Sadly, in today's world, going back to what we talked about at the start of this show, there are millions of professed Christians in this country and in this world. And the problem is, if you can convince and talk someone into being a Christian, mm-hmm. someone else can talk them out of Christianity. Yeah. If you are saved in Christ, that's it. You will never lose your salvation. There are things in your life you may do 
to hinder your sanctification, but you will never lose your salvation. And sadly, there are many, many people that I would consider brothers and sisters in Christ that have been saved for maybe a decade, but still have not outgrown milk. They're still on baby food. They've not gone and grown like they should because they have not read their Bible. They've not gone to church. They've not been in prayer like they should. They have allowed influences of the world to, you know, kind of trickle in and they've hindered their sanctification. But I truly believe that if you're saved in Christ, he may allow you to do those things for a limited number of time for a limited time. But at some point, your heart is going to be convicted because even once you're saved, if you're not pursuing holiness and pursuing sanctification, your conscience can still be seared, meaning that you're still making excuses for what you love and for what you do. You know, salvation is one of God's mysteries in how he works it through each individual, and no two individuals will necessarily be alike. Um, you know, and as Christians, when we interact with other professing Christians, sometimes it's hard because we don't know whether we're dealing with an Apollo situation, meaning that this person needs things explained better to them, or whether maybe we're dealing with a Simon the Magician situation to where they come to Christ for what they can get out of it, or whether or not maybe we're dealing with an Ananias and Sapphira. We really never truly know on the surface who or what we're dealing with or what state they're in. But over time, as we get to know them, as we hear what's coming out of their mouth, as we see what they're doing and saying and how they're interacting and get in discussions, deeper discussions with them about their prayer life and their Bible reading, you know, there will be some evidence of the fruit of salvation. And, you know, sometimes I know myself, I can be, when somebody tells me they're a Christian that I just met, my guard goes up. I don't <laughs> automatically believe what they say. I, that when someone tells me that they're a Christian too, my first thought is, okay, this is someone I need to talk to and see whether or not they truly understand what it is that they're saying. Yeah. Because like I said, um, if they can be talked into being a Christian, meaning manipulated by a service with the dim lights and an invitation to come recite this prayer, and then someone tells them that they're a Christian, uh, they're probably, they probably could be talked out of it really, really well. Um, there was a resource, and I apologize because I don't have it bookmarked, but one portion of this, it was a teaching when it comes to talking with someone that says or tells you that they're a profession Christian, one of the best things to reply and to ask them is, okay, would your walk in Christ stand up to scrutiny against what the Word of God says about being a Christian? Yeah. Could you defend your walk through the Bible and through, the, through Bible verses, using that as examples, using the verses as examples as how you live your life, what you think about Christ, how you interact with the brothers and sisters in Christ, which way would you be able to defend your Christianity based on the Bible and not your own opinion? And I think that's really, really a good way to put it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So our hope in this coming year is as we go through this walk, 
and we are faced with good days, bad days, challenges, sufferings, and blessings. Um, how do we take so many of the things that we've talked about and put them into action? I, I think that's, you know, while that's something that should be getting taught in your churches, and I pray that it is, I'd like to see us do something talk, to do more to talk about that on this show. It's not to say that nobody's doing that. I think I think a lot of people are in a variety of ways. It's just something I want to maybe in 2022, and Rich and I were talking about this pre-show, to make it something that hopefully as you spend your days walking and moving forward um, and you're facing these things, how do you put put this to... Um, how do you put feet to this? How, how do you make it work in your life? So that's something I, I hope that we can accomplish in this coming year. It's not to say that those, those big topics aren't important and that we're not going to get into them. Certainly we will. Um, but especially for you who spend, take, who take time every week to listen to the program, I would love for us, for Rich and I, to be able to speak directly to you in some way that puts meat on this skeleton, that gives you something that you can put into action so that when you're faced with a difficult decision, when you're faced with trial or suffering, when you see that there's been this great blessing in your life but you want to have a proper biblical perspective on it, how do we put this all to work? And so I would love to hear from you. I know Rich would as well. We would love to hear from you about things that you want to hear about in 2022 that will help you put this into action, to put biblical principles, theology, doctrine into action. So we'd love to get questions from you. We've often asked for topic ideas. We've often asked for uh, con you know, things that you would love to hear expanded on. And sometimes you guys are really, really great about sending us stuff. But I, we would love it if you would, from your personal issue, and, and you don't have to give us specifics and details. We're not asking you to, to come to us with a, a laundry list of issues you're facing. But what is something in 2022 you would like to hear talked about to see how theology is applied in this particular circumstance. How do I face this? How do I answer that? How do I, how do I live according to this? Um, we, we would love to be able to choose something in this year that gives you feet to, to these concepts, to these principles and, and teachings. If we can do that for you, we would love to. So if you want to write to us, it's voiceofreasonradio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Okay, you can go to slavetothekeng.com and there's a contact us page and I figured it out last year. It will forward it now to our email. Uh, either one you can do. And if you follow us on social media, you can reach out to us there. I'm getting much better about bookmarking, like on Twitter, bookmarking stuff when people send you know, say, hey, you should, you should read this article or something. I'm One thing I'm working on this year is self-discipline with my time. I will try to be better about that as you guys send us stuff. But I would love to see us put some feet to some of that. 
So, uh, Rich, any last thoughts before we let everybody take off? Well, like I close each week, brother, whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the way of salvation at least once a day, whether you're engaged in a conversation with someone, whether you leave a tract or hand someone a tract, just do something, whether it's in person or online, be about proclaiming the biblical way of salvation. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you folks for being with us this week. Thank you for starting this year with us. Uh, we are so grateful for each and every one of you. Um, some of you have started contributing to this program, and that's we thank you so much for that. Some of you have blessed us by, um, well, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to say in what ways because um, it, it makes it sound like we're we're asking people to do that. I don't want to do that. But for those of you that have contributed in some way, we just want to say a special thank you for that. Um, for those of you that continue to pray for this program, that continue to communicate with us, um, and share this program, we also want to thank you. Um, there is no program without you guys. Hopefully, this year we will live up to what our, our goal has always been, is to glorify the name of Jesus Christ and to edify the body of Christ. So hopefully we will live up to that this year. Um, but for those of you who have prayed for us, who support us through your prayers, through the uh, the feedback, through the encouragement, and in other ways, uh, you guys make this possible, and you encourage us and humble us so much by that support. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you next week. Um, Love to hear from you. If there's something you would like us to talk about in the coming weeks, please voice of reason radio at gmail.com. And then this coming week, we will start off trying to maybe talk a little bit about look, we've all dealt with some suffering this last year. And I, I would like to take some of the things that my pastor has taught me and, and talk to you about them and, and, and maybe help you see what I'm learning. Uh, because I think learning to embrace that that difficulty, that pain, uh, as, as a blessing from God, as, as his good work in our lives, that was, that's an eye-opening concept for me. And it's, it's one that I'm still trying to, to chew, to chew on and, and, and apply. So perhaps something that I'm learning may be, may be useful to you. So hopefully we can do that for you next week. So God bless you guys. Good night. And we will see you next time.